Device Nation. Greetings and salutations, Device Nation. You're home for the greatest show on earth, and we know that show is medical device sales with ideas, stories, and interviews to help take you from good to great. This is Kevin Brown, your voice of Eddie Van Halen. In times of Barry Manilow, you know, I took a girl out on a date to see a Barry Manilow concert when I was in college. Make myself vulnerable here and throw that out there in front of all my male listeners. And you know what? It actually was a good show up until the point Copacabana started. Then everything just got weird. Today we have an amazing show on tap. I'm really excited to bring this content to you. We're going to talk about the tripod of medical device, not only in the sales function, but the getting help function. We're going to revisit the Mr. Rogers series we've been going through. And you're thinking to yourself, Mr. Rogers, come on, man. Can't you do better than that? You know what? If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, it's amazing the content that's out there to help you in medical device and in sales and just in life, period. It's not just found in the Barnes & Noble self-help section. It's all around us, and we're here to help you uncover some of that hidden gold. Speaking of hidden gold, she's not hidden anymore. She's going to be with us uh, right up front. Emmy Brown, sales and leadership coach and senior partner at Southwestern Coaching. Uh, We're going to have a great conversation with her, and I know there's going to be some things in there that you're going to take away with you that's going to help you out, just like it has done for me. You know, I can remember it like it was yesterday. One of my kids, I was giving them the speech. You know, you got to hand down this legacy stuff. I was telling them, look, there's no I in team. And this particular child looked back at me and didn't even blink an eye and said, there's no you either. And I thought, wow. You know, it so took me back on my heels. It was such a quick answer, and actually it was hilarious. And you're going to have these moments as a parent when you're thinking, you know, I probably should address this little act of disrespect, but you can't do it because you're laughing. There's no you in team. That is so true. Today, however, there is a you in team, and I thank you very much for being part of the team. Let's see if we can grab some things to help us in our journey to be the best device rep we can be. We're going back into the series with Mr. Rogers about Speaking Fredish, the Atlantic article. I will link it in the show notes. We talked about simplifying our talk. We talked about making it positive. And this week, we talk about, and I will quote, rephrase the idea bearing in mind that preschoolers cannot yet make subtle distinctions and need to be redirected to authorities they trust. And again, Little asterisk here, I am not saying that our customers are preschoolers. That's not what we're doing here. You need to make a subtle distinction that we are just taking some bullet points out of this that will actually help us out. And subtle distinctions is a key component of this because subtle distinctions, when you start getting into what I call the tripod of medical device sales, right? It's the technical It's the relational, and it's the sales function. Those three things are such a bottomless well and involve so many subtle distinctions. So what does he say? He says they cannot yet make subtle distinctions and need to be redirected to authorities they trust. And that's where I want to land right there for a minute. Authorities they trust. You know, I need people in authority to help me. And and authority is not only a title, but it's something you give to someone, right? Saying that I give you permission to speak into my life. And these three things that we just talked about, the technical, relational, and the sales function, are so deep. They are so deep that for me, it's just impossible to be at the top of my game on any one of these without reaching out for some help, for some people that I give authority in my life to say, hey, come alongside me. I need some help here. The technical aspect of it, we've got hundreds of thousands of things in our catalog and I'm supposed to be an expert on them all. Well, you know what? That's impossible. So I need someone who can help wade through it for me. Say, hey, this is what you need to focus on with this product. And these are the things that really matter that are important to your customers. This, not so much. Again, it's subtle distinctions, right? That's why we need help. That's why I need help. Uh, The relational How many books are out there on just the relationship side of this thing? I just checked Amazon and it was over 70,000. So now you know why I need a voice of authority in my life on that subject. It's just such a deep body of water. On the sales side, over 60,000 titles. It's crazy. 
This is a lot of stuff to grab out there and nobody can grab it all. So we need an Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, a voice of wisdom. We need a Mr. Miyagi. We need a Khloe Kardashian. Just kidding. To help us sort through all this stuff and, and help us navigate these waters. Maybe personalize it a little bit and say, okay, this is what you need to focus on. And this is what you're strong at, but this is what you're weak at. Authorities we can trust. Now, I'd like to take a moment right here to just kind of drive into this word authority. I know there's some of you listening right now that that word just kind of sparks a negative connotation. And you know what? I understand that. I've had many people that I've come into contact over the years, and the moment you share with them any information that's less than flattering uh, about something they've done, something they should have done, they shut down. They shut down. Uh, It's like that car on Batman and the security system on it. All those panels come up around it to protect it, and that's exactly what happens to their body language. And it's really sad in a sense that you're trying to bring somebody words of life, and they cannot hear it. It just can't go in because that defensive mechanism has kicked in, and they turn inward and get dark and defensive, and then there's no growth. So that moment, that teachable moment, is lost forever or until the next time, but then you're just repeating the same scenario again. So I used to think that that was a here and now issue, and this person just needed to open their mind a little bit, but now I think I see it a little bit differently, that a lot of these situations are from that word authority and what was done to them at an earlier time in their lives. And I don't know all the if ands and buts and all that stuff around it, but you know, if there was a parental authority that was misused, or a, a teacher authority, or a any number of things where it was a punitive scenario instead of a, hey, I love you and I want to help you, and this is what you can do to be better, this is what you did wrong, this is what you can do next time so you can get better at this thing. It's, it's something that was not presented like that at all. So then they find themselves in the here and now with something that rhymes a little bit like something in their past, and I think a lot of times they don't even think it through like that, it's just instinctive. So you bring this negative thing to their attention and they shut down. And, you know, it's just tough stuff. So how do you respond when information is brought to you that is less that is less than flattering? I had one rep in particular I had to call out because this particular rep had this habit of doing calf raises in the middle of surgeries, and I didn't understand it. The first time it ever happened, it totally freaked me out because just like when you're at a stoplight and maybe the car beside you starts backing up or moving forward, it makes you feel like you're moving, right? Well, this person was doing a calf raise. My brain interpreted it as the entire room was going down and the person next to me was fixed. It was the most weird vertigo feeling. And when I finally realized what was happening, I was like, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. You can't be using the OR to tone and trim your calves. It's distracting, and and this particular rep would get up on their tippy toes and almost start teetering right near the surgical field. Not cool, right? But, you know, they took the coaching. They took the criticism correctly and made changes. And that's that's all that mattered, right? So I want to review that moment right there just for a second, because I think it's important. If you are in leadership, I think we're all in leadership, but if you are in leadership in a team setting, you have to communicate by not only words, but deed that you are truly there to help those people on your team, right? So that you can earn their trust. They don't just give that to you because you have a title on your business card or president's club or you know whatever. You have to earn that and you have to do some self-analysis to go, is that really my heart, right? Is it really about the people on my team? Because if it really isn't, then don't fake it. Reach out and get some help as to find out why that is what it is. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to be a good leader, it has to be all about the people on your team and not about you at all. And then you can start doing things in a correct manner that's going to earn people's trust. And then you will be given authority to speak into their lives because they know that they can trust you. You get that? So let's tie this up with what I think is the most important summary of all of this. And that is reaching out for help, redirecting ourselves to authorities that I trust. Now, I don't necessarily need a big authority in my life on the technical aspect of it because, you know, sometimes you just need the raw data and maybe some wisdom to help you sort through it. However, 
the relationship aspect of this job and the sales function. Nobody is born knowing all this stuff. So we gather information from someplace, right? Or do we just make it up as we go along? I hope not. We need help, especially from those who have been there before us or people that are experts. And I think that leads us to our anagram for the day. It wouldn't be a sales podcast without an anagram. James Brown said, hit me, and I'm going to hit you with this. H-I-T. Every sales podcast needs an anagram. Hit. Humility. Intentional. Transparent. If you're going to reach out for help, that demands humility. You have to be that person just like in the AA meetings that says, you know, my name is Kevin Brown. I'm a medical device rep, and I need help. And everybody said, hi, Kevin. We have to start with humility of saying, I need help. And nothing's going to happen until you are there. Number two, intentional. It takes some intentionality to pick up the phone, reach out to somebody and say, hey, can you help me in this? And can, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong here? It takes some intentionality to do that. People aren't just going to show up at your doorstep and say, hi, I'm here to coach you. It's not going to happen. And lastly, transparency. For this thing to work, you have to be able to take your scrubs off, so to speak, take your name tag off, take that national sales meeting persona that we put on sometimes and really get real with people. Tell them what you're struggling with. Tell them what you think your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, and let somebody get a little bit of a deeper dive. Now, that gets back to what we talked about with trust. You have to have somebody you trust in your life to do that, somebody that you know has your best interest at heart that isn't going to exploit that or or take advantage of it, right? Now, big asterisk here, asterisk alert. I have had people speak profound things into my life that were the last person I would have trusted that did not have my best interest at heart and were actually not nice people at all. However, getting back to that H word, humility demands that we can receive from people even if they're bad people, right? We've all had people come into our sphere that were difficult people to work with. Maybe they called us out in the most inopportune moment in a really embarrassing way, and their intentions weren't right, and they were full of themselves. I could go on and on and on. But do we miss what the truth was, the nugget at the middle of that thing that we needed to hear that was really going to help us in this job? Or do we reject it because what was around it was all wrong. And that's a challenge for all of us, especially me, because sometimes these these nuggets and these pearls that we need to hear to take us to the next level do not come from people that love us, and they do not come from people that we trust. That sometimes the word that you need to hear the most isn't going to come in that package. You need to have the humility to receive it. I've certainly been on the receiving end of that a few times in my life. Now, in the true spirit of transparency, I had something like what we're talking about happen to me when I was early 20s, early 20s, so forever ago. And my wife and I made an intentional effort to go into a church marriage uh, small group setting and be transparent and just try to get our marriage off to a good footing. And we went for quite a while. And one day, the leader decided to call me up and and say, hey, can I come over and visit you and uh, Terry tonight? I said, sure. So he came over, and in my arrogant, self-centered, full-of-me mindset, I thought, he's coming over to tell me how great I am and what a contribution I've made and, and just how wise and all, yada, yada, yada. So he comes over to my house. He asked to speak to me personally sits me down on the sofa. He said, Kevin, and I'm like, this is awesome. Here it comes. The commendation, the promotion. He said, I want you to know that you are a real ass. Now that threw me for a tumble there. I didn't expect that from him, but I've since grown to love the man for having the guts to share that with me, because you know what? He was absolutely right. 
at that time in my life, I would take over group settings, and I just thought I had so much to share that was just so critical for everybody to shut up and listen to me, when in fact it was just the opposite. I needed to humble myself and let people speak into my life so that I could get better at this thing. Uh, and I just needed David to come along and snap me out of it and tell me the truth about what I was really doing. Now, I had a choice to make when he said that. Uh, you know, it didn't come in the package I wanted. It didn't include the language that I wanted. I had a choice to make. I was either going to go dark, get defensive, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, or, you know, punch out a, a church leader. That wasn't really an option. Uh, and, and one of those rare moments when you're young and you actually make a humble decision, I, I decided to take his words under consideration, and it didn't take long when I started really thinking about it all, that, um, that he was right and I needed to change. So let's sum that up. We need to be humble and reach out for help and know that we need help. We need some intentionality and in making the effort to get help in our lives on some of these things. Have somebody that's a partner with you. I have somebody in my life on my podcast that I constantly reach out to. Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, I wasn't born knowing how to do a podcast, and I still have a lot to learn. So I need help, and I need somebody who can speak into me that I speak into my life that I trust on that. So I'm I'm doing this stuff with y'all. And then lastly, transparency, just being real in front of people. And that's where you need a little trust because it can be a little dicey sometimes, right? Being transparent in front of somebody that you don't really trust. So that's kind of important. But then it all comes back to humility because you make yourself transparent and then you get the hard word, hey, you're this, or hey, you need to stop doing calf raises in the room. You know, Do you have the humility to receive this stuff? So you repeat this cycle over and over and over, and I think you're on the road to getting better. And that's what it's all about, getting better at this job and not being the same rep, not being the same spouse, not being the same friend, not being the same relationship, not being the same parent that you were last week, but incrementally better. And what better way to do that than inviting people into our lives to speak into that stuff to help us get from point A to point B, right? It is nothing short of serendipity that we have our next guest on today because she's actually made a career out of helping people make those subtle distinctions in the relationship and sales function aspect of this business and becoming that authority, that voice in people's lives that they can trust to help them go from point A to point B and to be successful. So please welcome to the show, Emmy Brown. Hi there, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on Device Nation. I'm glad to be here. Your father is an orthopedic surgeon that I worked with many years ago at the beginning of my career, and now I find myself working with him uh, at the other end of my career, and I always loved working with him. And he, uh, he was bragging on his daughter one day and told me about you and what you were doing, and my ears perked up immediately when he said that you sold books door-to-door. And I did that as well with Varsity out of high school. And immediately there was a bond. I, I think anybody that's done that job, uh, there's like an unseen fraternity or sorority, so to speak. And I knew I had to talk to you. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, I'm glad to be here. So let's walk through your career. I know you're doing some really cool things right now, and I want to get to that. But I want to start with your Southwestern experience selling books and and how in the world did you get into that and and just walk me through some of those early years well i went to the university of north carolina chapel hill and i had originally heard of southwestern advantage the door-to-door book program that you're referencing i heard about that my freshman year but my dad told me it probably wasn't a legitimate opportunity don't do it so i didn't Uh, But two years later, I had a sorority sister who had just come back from her third summer with Southwestern, and I had heard that she had, you know, made a lot of money. I heard she made $17,000, and uh, I walked up behind her. She was in our bathroom of our sorority house, a bathroom that we shared with 17 other girls. She was in the bathroom brushing her teeth, and I walked right up behind her, and I had one question for her. I wanted to know, 
did it suck? You know, that was my, you know, 20, 20 year old question. That's the only thing I cared about. Was this a horrible experience for you? And she said it was awesome. That's why I'm going back for my third summer. And um, so I guess she just finished her second. She was going on her third. And uh, at that moment, I just said, I'll do that with you next year. I'm in. Uh, So that's originally how I got started with Southwestern Advantage. And, you know, I, I never imagined it being something that I would do for more than a few months summer of my life. Uh, But it has definitely put me on a a different trajectory uh, for my life than what I had thought that I was on at 20 years old. And uh, I am actually, uh, this is, an interesting fact, but this month I am celebrating uh, my technical 20, it's technically my 20th anniversary with the Southwestern family of companies. Congratulations in this gig economy that we find ourselves in. Uh, that's, that's a prodigious achievement to be 20 years with anybody. Well, thank you. I know you've been 28 years in, in your, with your company and your role, so that's, that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, I have no idea what a gig economy even looks like. <laughs> a one-hit wonder from the '80s. That's um, that's where I'm at. So when I when I sold books door to door, I sold. Let me see if I remember this right. I had a a PDR that had a kind of uh, various drugs and physicians desk reference kind of thing for the home. Yeah. I had an open Bible. I had a family Bible. I had a quick reference book for school, and I had one other thing that escapes me. What was in it, what was in your bag as you were ringing doorbells? Mm. Well, uh, when I was first starting out, uh, this was when the internet was brand new, <laughs> and people were first starting to, uh, you know, most people were starting to have home computers. So we had, uh, you know, some of the more traditional educational products in our in our lineup like we had uh, our homework help handbooks um, and we had our kids books but also we had some you know really powerful cd-roms like fripple town and the sat prep cd so so those were some of the the sexier new items in in our bag back then so we talked before uh, I think I shared with you the first time I ever cried in my adult life was sitting on my sample box in a neighborhood in Mississippi, and I had gotten more rejection that first two weeks in door-to-door book sales than I'd ever gotten in my entire life, and it was quite a wake-up call, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. I, I found myself just sitting there crying my eyes out, going, what have I done? A pharmacist who lived in the neighborhood pulled over and took pity on me, took me into his home, fed me, cleaned me up, and ended up helping me with his neighbors, and it led to just a really great summer. And i reminded of that Nietzsche phrase, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, did you have some of those same, uh, just those emotional swings uh, during your summers doing it? I am not a natural born salesperson. You know, sometimes people think that you're either born a salesperson or you're not. It's these innate qualities that you have. And I absolutely don't believe that that's true because I wasn't a natural born salesperson. I am a developed, a trained salesperson. Um, you know, so I, I wasn't this, that, you know, sales in general didn't come naturally to me. I didn't see myself as a salesperson. In fact, you know, I cried all the way through sales school. Uh, during sales school, people were practicing knocking on imaginary doors and I was too afraid to even knock on an imaginary door, let alone a real one. <laughs> and, uh, on Tuesday of sales school, I remember my student manager, saying, you know, it's okay if you go home now. It's not quitting if you leave now. And I seriously thought about that. Uh, So the first several weeks were really, really difficult for me. Uh, I felt like there were other people that were doing so much better and that I wasn't figuring this out. but, But I worked hard and I followed the system. And I started to 
you know, learn the psychology of selling. And that became interesting to me. Um, it was around, uh, it was right at the end of my fifth week when at our Sunday meeting, one of the organizational leaders was teaching us about asking questions to find a need. And he was explaining to us that the sale isn't made in the presentation it, it's made before you ever even get there through asking questions, listening, finding, and developing a need. And that was a light bulb moment for me. Um, my sixth week, I went out and I sold 706 units. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, was like five bucks a unit. So it's like $3,500 that I made that, that week. And it, that was a confidence uh, boosting week. Um, throughout the summers that I sold, I had, you know, some weeks that were incredibly challenging and some weeks that, you know, seemed easier. And it seemed like I hit goals that I didn't know were possible. Uh, but I, I really liked that, you know, you do go through those emotional swings and you find out what you're made of, uh, and you develop character. Character isn't revealed nor is it developed when things are easy but when when things are hard uh so i i enjoy the character developing experience of the challenge and maybe maybe i didn't enjoy it in the moment but i enjoyed uh what that did for me later on i love what you said about a developed salesman i was speaking to a saxophone player uh, probably the best player I've ever run across in my life. Um, he's a professor at a university in North Carolina. And he told me one day that there's a lot of uh, natural talent that has come through his studio. Uh, and then other people just have to work hard. And he put himself in that category, that he was not a natural musician at all. And that kind of inspired me. If somebody can be that good at what they do, and they don't have really any natural inclination for it, then it really is, uh, what's that old saying? Success is uh, mostly uh, perspiration, not inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. So there you are going through your summers. At what point did you say, okay, I'm going to stick with Southwestern, but my my job description is going to change. What, what happened there? <laughs> well, it was a natural evolution. I actually thought people that stuck around for several summers and that kind of a job were they were a little strange that there had to be something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after I graduated from college, my sales manager asked me, Hey, do you want to go out to Arizona and recruit? And I, I was looking for maybe a, an excuse to delay grad school. And I asked him, so what do you mean recruit? He said, you can go build a team. You know, we need a recruiter out there. And I went out to Arizona. I thought it was going to be a three month gig again. And uh, I recruiting came a lot more naturally to me. And I recruited a large uh, team of people and uh, I you know, the the recruiting process process was easy, but I didn't realize how much I actually needed to train and lead those people. So um, that summer, about half of them quit, and uh, the team I felt like a big failure. And, and I realized I had a whole lot to learn about leadership. Uh, so I decided to stick around to really learn how to lead. Um, the next year, I brought an even bigger team, and they did really well. And and I was building an organization. And, uh, you know, from that, I think everything has really evolved. Um, uh, you know, I've moved from, you know, South, I was a district sales manager with, with Southwestern Advantage and moved into you know, Southwestern Consulting, and we were running a sales training conference and uh diff there were different roles over the years that that i've played with with southwestern consulting and uh and gosh most recently it uh you know my i'm filling a another role i'm still a senior partner with southwestern consulting but i'm now the president of southwestern speakers and uh 
I believe when you just lean in and you gain new skills, uh, opportunity evolves. You, uh, I, I want to be able to use my talents and my skills and the service of the world. I remember somebody telling me one time that everybody's a leader. You're, you're leading someone. Do you, do you believe that? Absolutely. Leadership is not a title. It, it is, it is not a position. It's a way of being it's showing up and uh, anybody in an organization is leading and we're either leading people to uh, have a bad attitude and bad habits and we're you're setting a, a bad example or you know we are uh, leading people to develop good habits and uh, be motivated towards the right things when you said you first got into the leadership side and, and you had a lot to learn, I, I remember having this balloon pop for me, and I'd love to hear your take on it as well. I always thought leadership was me strutting around on a stage with a microphone or a flesh-colored mic telling everybody else how they needed to live their lives. <laughs> and for a young, full of himself, very cocky individual, uh, I, I really believe that, and it wasn't till life... Um, served me uh, quite a few slices of humble pie uh, that I, I had the epiphany that leadership was really positioning yourself below other people. I think, um, you know, at, at Southwestern Consulting and the Southwestern family of companies, we truly believe in servant leadership. And I've had excellent examples of that along the way. Um, I think, you know, servant leadership is really about vulnerability. It, it's, it's not... Uh, you know, puffing up your chest and displaying your ego, but it's, it's being the, you know, and it's not putting yourself in the spotlight, but it's being the spotlight operator to shine a spotlight on someone else. And I think when, when I was a newer leader in, in my twenties, I had maybe some artificial confidence, some false confidence. It wasn't, you know, true unconditional confidence and uh, you have to have true confidence you have to have unconditional real confidence not cockiness in order to be vulnerable enough to really serve the people that you're entrusted to lead and uh, and I think that was something that that I you know didn't know at first and I had to you know learn how to understand what's going to motivate each person and make the figure out how to help them achieve their goals, help them set goals that were in line with the goals of the organization, listen and have empathy so I can meet them where they are at to move them along a path. Uh, you know, be humble and vulnerable and expose, you know, my weaknesses. So I'm relatable and I can uh, be someone that they would like to become. And, uh, and, you know, these are all, these are some of the lessons of, of leadership that, you know, learned the, along the way. And, and they're just things that we've constantly got to be striving as leaders to get better at. So much of what we do in medical devices, you have to be just as equally confident in what you know as in what you don't know. Because uh, you get in real trouble sometimes if you're not confident in what you don't know. And then you maybe blurt out something that can get you in a lot of trouble. I know for a, a new device rep, they might suffer from feeling inferior to the people that they call on and feeling like they're they're working to gain this person's attention, but they don't know as much. Sometimes people struggle with that kind of confidence. And I remember when I first started doing business to business sales for the first time ever in, in 2008, in that part of my career, I remember feeling scared and nervous, you know, calling on business owners and thinking I'm not on the same level. And it, that lasted, you know, I only felt that way for a few months because, you know, I, I did gain confidence and I realized that we were partners in this and that, you know, I, I started to see, you know, the person I was calling on as somebody who's equal, of equal business stature to me that they're an expert in their area, but I'm an expert in mine. And and we're, we're partners working together towards the same goal. I suffer from post-traumatic national sales meeting disorder. 
I, I'll go to these meetings and I, I will look at other people and go, man, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more like that. And uh, they just seem to have it all together on this front or that front. And then I just, I'm in a funk for two weeks afterwards. I guess being confident in your own skin and just saying, you know, these are these are the tools that I've been given and just work with it and make it, uh, try to get the most out of it I can. And uh, don't get distracted by saying, okay, well, I'm, I'll never be this person or this customer intimidates me or, or this, this rep seems to have this all together and I wish I had that. You know, it's, uh, it can really get you off your game, can it? Absolutely. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. It really is. Um, that's why for most of us, we need to learn how to shut off our social media and stop looking at people's highlight reels and comparing our, our life to their highlights. Um, and we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to see the strengths of other people and only see our weaknesses. And, uh, you know, emotional intelligence is a big part of success. The first, uh, most essential step to gaining emotional intelligence is developing self-awareness. We have to have self-awareness of our weaknesses and know where we need to get better in terms of our habits or in terms of our processing of emotions or our, our thoughts. But we also uh, need to have awareness of our strengths and, and learn how to focus on our strengths and celebrate those, you know, celebrate what we have going for us, what we have that are our, are our unique skills and abilities or the ways that we can serve the world. Um, we have to be able to see our opportunities um, instead of looking at other people's opportunities and, and not acknowledging our own. Um, so we can all suffer from comparison and it's a, a daily challenge to, to choose to not uh, compare ourselves. In, in 2015, I did a little experiment with myself where, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge on social media. I should be on social media a lot more. I should be posting a lot more given my profession. <laughs> but in, and, and I can have a tendency to not go on Facebook for many, many months and um, not know what's going on with people. Um, but in, in 2015, I, I uh, set my resolution for the year to actually be on social media more. And I made a commitment to post on Facebook every single day. And uh, for the first half of the year, I did. I didn't miss a single day, uh, you know, all the way through June didn't miss it at all. And what I realized um, during that time is it, it was actually helpful for me to be posting because you're, you, when you're posting on, on Facebook or on social media in general, you're typically not talking about bad things. You're typically not complaining or, or talking about what you don't have or what there's some people that do that. And those people are incredibly annoying. Um, but uh, typically, whenever you are posting on social media, you're posting something you're actually thankful for, grateful for, excited about, or a cool trip you went on, or something neat that your kids did, or, or um, you know, some experience you're excited about. There, it actually served in some ways to be kind of like a gratitude journal for me, which was interesting. And in the second half of the year, while I did post on Facebook, um, I, I kind of slipped with doing that, and I started... Um, I started, instead of posting, sometimes I'd spend more time looking at other people's posts. And it was extremely interesting because whenever I was not posting, but I was looking at other people's posts, I almost experienced, instead of gratitude, I experienced ingratitude and jealousy and comparison. And I started to think about, oh, wow, their life is so amazing, or they have so much time. Or they, and I started to think about all the things that they had that I didn't have. And uh, it, you know, it was fascinating, but we have to set up these uh, routines that help us to live in gratitude and celebrate our strengths and, and uh, 
you know, focus on our opportunity. We, and we have to be diligent about catching ourselves when we're not, um, because when left to our own devices, our brains always go negative. That's just how we're wired. Um, we have to work at being positive and hopeful and grateful and uh, you know, feeling all of those things. I need to probably change some of my friends on Facebook because I had this epiphany the other day. I said, I cannot look at Facebook before I go to work because I just get incited. They're, they're putting out all kinds of stuff that make me mad. And then I go to the hospital and I'm like, okay, positive Kevin, positive Kevin. Uh, serenity now. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I, I had that thought after that, that I need to be intentional as to what I'm putting before me, especially before I go to work, uh, because my customers deserve nothing less than, than me being positive and me being a bright spot in their day. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being careful that I'm not putting in anything in my head that could work counter to that goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a rule of thumb that, uh, you know, if you need to study anything technical, you do that in the evening. So that way your brain can process that information while you sleep. You actually, you store it in your mental file folders while you're sleeping. Uh, but in the morning, that's not when you should necessarily focus on the technical. But if we're reading anything, or fo- we need to be reading the positive. We need to be reading something motivational or inspirational or focusing our- ourselves on the things that are going to give us hope and courage and strength and optimism and gratitude. Um, we need to focus on, on the motivational in the mornings, technical in the evening and motivational in the mornings. What would you say, if you were, if you were coaching my audience, what would you say the, the, the whole art of sales uh, and the whole, you know, the whole construct is it's like a big building? What do you think the foundation of that building is? Service. Um, A lot of people uh, have negative connotations of what sales is because they've seen sales done wrong so often. Um, Now, usually if somebody is a salesperson, they might, you know, have some positive words to describe sales. Uh, But if you ask the average person about being sold or, or, you know, the act of selling, um, and you ask them words to describe it, they say selling is manipulative or pushy or selfish, or I don't want to be sold. And, and they have these, they have these very negative connotations. Um, but true selling is actually extremely noble. Selling is serving. Selling is, is caring about someone enough to, listen and truly understand their situations, active listening, where you're asking really good questions. Selling is, uh, is sometimes challenging people's perspective or taking a stand for them. Sometimes pushing, it is pushing them along, but it's not done with our own interests in mind. It's done, um, out of a desire to help this person solve a problem, to help fill a need to help them achieve their goals. So true selling when done the right way is about serving. And it's hard for salespeople to wrap their mind around that. Um, You know, when they're first starting out, there's so much focus on, am I screwing this up? Am I doing this right? Am I going to hit my goals? Uh, You know, I hope that I hope I make this sale. I really need this commission. You know, people can smell that commission breath from a mile away. (laughs) Yes, they can. <laughs> and um, and it's easy to kind of slip back into that mindset of being wor- being worried about what we look like or how we come across or the money that we're going to make or not make. And uh, and but true selling when you when you exercise that muscle of service when you, when you figure out that selling is service and is serving and you exercise that muscle of service, uh, it is a truly noble thing and it makes selling so much easier. I was going to ask you that same question on the relational side, but I, in my humble opinion, you've already answered it. I was going to say, okay, on the relational side of medical device sales, uh, what do you think the foundation of that building is? And I, I think it's the same thing, mm-hmm. serving that other person, right? Absolutely. And what, that, isn't that the foundation of all relationships, right? Um, if you think about That's your true. marriage, it's, it's learning how to you know, not to get too biblical here, but to learn how to, you know, die to your own needs and focus on the needs of, of your spouse. Um, you know, one of the reasons why 
uh, you know, the relationship with our children is so beautiful and extraordinary is because, you know, it's a relationship where it, we truly are just giving, serving, you know, there's not much we're getting from our like children other than, you know, their, their love. Um, but it, it's a, it's a very selfless act of being a parent. And, uh, and that's, uh, the foundation of any relationship is actually caring about the needs of that other person. So tell me what's going on right now. Tell me what you're doing with the, uh, the coaching and, uh, who are y'all reaching out to and, and what does that, what does that job description look like for you these days? Well, we act, I actually have a few different job descriptions. Um, but, uh, at, you know, the Southwestern family of companies, our, our parent company started in 1855 and has been around that long. Um, a lot of times people wonder why we call it Southwestern when we're based in Nashville. It's because Nashville was considered the Southwest back then. And, uh, we've always been known for sales and helping people to, you know, sell and to lead. Uh, today we have about 30 companies in our family. And one of our companies is Southwestern Consulting. Southwestern Consulting has a few different uh, divisions. One of our divisions is a one-on-one -on -one coaching program where we have about 3,000 active clients who are in one-on-one -on -one coaching, and we primarily coach salespeople and leaders. Um, we help people develop their skills, their motivation, their systems, but we work with people to help them grow. And uh, yeah, we measure it, and we really do you know, grow grow their skills and, and their income. Um, but in our other divisions, we have yeah, so we do on we do training programs and we book speakers for uh, you know national meetings and uh, we really serve people in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, I, I really see it as the heartbeat of what we do because it's in that one-on-one -on -one relationship where we can get in in the trenches with someone and uh, role play with them, call them out hold them accountable and help them get movement in their business. That's great stuff. How do people, how do people find out about what you're doing and, and connect with you and, and your organization? Mm -hmm. um, well, if they would like to learn about us, they can go to southwesternconsulting.com or email me directly. I'll give you my email address. It's ebrown at southwesternconsulting.com. Um, you can always reach out to me and I can point you in the right direction for the person uh, for you to talk to about the different uh, lines of business that we have. I've, I've got a neighbor of mine who's a FBI crisis negotiator, and we just had a, a good talk the other day about the element of a team a dynamic in any hostage situation and you know, you watch it on TV and there's always somebody that's manning the phone with whoever's in the bank with the hostages. And I didn't really appreciate just how many people were behind that person feeding them information mm -hmm. uh, of what needs to happen next. Uh, it was not just uh, that whole scenario was sitting on the shoulders of the person on the phone. There was psychologists, there was social workers, there was family members, there was other negotiators. I could just go on and on and on. It's a deep bench. Yeah, everyone needs a team. Uh, we need a team around us, and we need people to help us develop new skills. And sometimes there's things that we know we need to work on, but we just don't know how or we uh, don't want to sometimes we avoid doing the things that we know we need to do like we know that if we want to lose weight we've got to work out more and we've got to eat less uh, but sometimes we don't do what we know we need to do and we need a little accountability too so um, you know having a business coach maybe maybe 20 30 years ago you know the people that had a business you know if you're leader or someone recommended you get a coach it was because ah you're struggling and you need some help <laughs> but, but now um, these days it's the top people it's always the best people within a business that are ones that are seeking out a coach and um, and they are using uh, a coach to help them get ahead to help them just like a personal trainer is going to show them the right 
you know, moves in the right, you know, for their body and, and, or a nutritionist is going to show them, you know, what foods they need to be eating to get to their goals. You know, a, a business coach, a sales coach, you know, they know how to fine tune the skills that are needed to get to that next level in sales. It really is a personalized approach. It's it's very challenging in a group of 30 people to give one size fits all. One person may be a visual learner. The other person may be tactile. The, you know, I could just go on and on. Uh, our learning styles are different. Our gifting is different. Um, how we approach people's situations can be different. And just being able to work within that set on an individualized basis, I'm sure has uh, has a lot of value. Absolutely. We could just go on for hours about all this stuff. This is so awesome. I love talking this stuff, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the on the show and talking to my audience. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate being here. You know, this stuff is not academic to me, people. I have to walk this stuff out. Everything that I share with y'all, I have to deal with it, too. I had this podcast all recorded. I had the monologue down, all the excruciating details to string everything together. I showed it to my wife. I said, hey, listen to this and tell me what you think. She came back with three pages of notes and basically took this sandcastle that I had constructed, kicked it down to the ground, and I had to start over again. But you know what? After I got over myself, I had to go water the plants and just get over it because I knew the, all the work that it was going to take. But she was right. And what was kind of a mess before, uh, I was able to kind of make it more coherent. So I needed that. So I know that I need help. And especially when it comes to medical device, think about it. The technical and the relational, the sales functions, these three things are so completely overwhelming. It's doable, but you're going to need help. You're going to need to find a coach. Find somebody in your life that can help walk you through this stuff. Uh, somebody that's been around the block before you, that knows where the landmines are, and can give you some wise counsel. Uh, on the relationships, on the marriage, on the, the girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, whatever. There's so many variables in this life, and we need a voice external to ours that can help us navigate it. And that's going to take humility, intentionality, and transparency. Agreed? Thank you so much to Emmy for sharing her time with us. That was that was a free coaching session if you were taking some notes there. Hope you all have an awesome week. Let's all remember to be smart, be strong, be positive, and most importantly, be safe. Device Nation.